Hi, I'm Father Gregory Pine. And I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And you're listening to the Catholic Classics Podcast, where we seek to grow our prayer lives by learning from the Church's greatest saints and teachers. Spiritual reading can be challenging for many Catholics, so this podcast is here to help. Each season, we'll read through a great work, unpack its timeless wisdom, and encourage you with practical tips for the pursuit of holiness. The Catholic Classics Podcast is brought to you by Ascension. This season, we are reading Ascension's edition of Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. To get your copy of the book and download the reading plan for this season, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text INTRO to 33777. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app. This is Day 15. Today we'll be reading from Part 3, Certain Councils on the Practice of the Virtues, Chapters 3 and 4, which are pages 191 to 200 in the Ascension edition of the book. So before we get into the reading, as we are accustomed to do, let's take a quick look at what we'll be covering today. So St. Francis de Sales now goes on to pick out the particular virtues that he thinks that we can benefit from. So again, he's not stressing the most important virtues, because if he were to stress the most important virtues, he would just spend all of his time with charity. But charity takes the whole virtuous life and brings it to his perfection. So he's going to take a look at all these different parts, the ways that the grace of God gets into all the different nooks and crannies of our lives, of our thinking, of our choosing, of our feeling, etc. And he's trying to isolate those different virtues, which are going to be of great service to us when we're setting out to live this devout life. So today, in chapters 3 and 4, he starts with patience, and then he turns to humility. And he's going to break humility out into a couple of different chapters. So here, he's going to talk about external humility. And when he does so, he places emphasis on identifying the real heart of each virtue. So, you know, we might think patience is this and external humility is that, but he's saying, all right, let's get right down to the heart of the matter. So as we listen to today's reading, we too will try to be sensitive to what it is the Lord is revealing through these virtues and that St. Francis is teaching us in this introduction to the devout life. Let's say a prayer and start in. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Grant us grace, a merciful God, to desire ardently all that is pleasing to thee, to examine it prudently, to acknowledge it truthfully, and to accomplish it perfectly, for the praise and glory of thy name, amen. Chapter 3, On Patience. Quote, For you have need of endurance, so that you may do the will of God and receive what is promised. End quote says the Apostle, Hebrews 10, 36. Indeed, our Savior himself said, quote, by your endurance you will gain your lives, end quote, Luke 21, 19. It is a man's great happiness, O Philothea, to be in possession of his soul, and the more perfect our patience, the more perfectly do we possess it. Let us frequently recall that just as our Lord saved us by his patient suffering, we too must work out our salvation through suffering and affliction, enduring injuries, contradictions, and afflictions with all possible meekness. Do not limit your patience only to particular kinds of injuries and afflictions, but rather extend it to all that God might send to you or permit to befall you. Some people are willing only to suffer tribulations that are honorable, such as, for example, to be wounded in battle, to be prisoners of war, to be persecuted for religion, or to be impoverished by some lawsuit in which they nonetheless were shown to be in the right. These people do not love such tribulation, but rather the honor that might accompany it. However, he who is truly patient and the servant of God peacefully suffers tribulations that are accompanied by ignominy or by honor. 
To be despised, deplored, or accursed by wicked men is only pleasant to a brave man. However, the truly patient man remains glad in the midst of being blamed, accursed, and ill-treated by the good or by his friends and relatives. I believe that the meekness exercised by the great St. Charles Borromeo in the midst of a lengthy and public scorn expressed by a preacher from a strictly reformed order uttered against him from the pulpit was greater than any of the meeknesses he showed while being assaulted by others. For just as bees' stings are more painful than those of flies, so too the evils that we suffer from good men and their opposition are much more difficult to experience than what we suffer from other less estimable men. Nonetheless, it often happens that two good men, both having the best intentions but different opinions, foment great persecutions and oppositions against each other. Be patient, not only as regards the afflictions that may befall you, but also with regard to their secondary and derivative circumstances. Many may be content to suffer evils, provided they are not inconvenienced by them. Quote, I would not be distressed, end quote, says a man, quote, at being poor, were it not for the fact that it prevents me from serving my friends, from giving my children a proper education, and from living as respectably as I wish, end quote. And another reflects, quote, it would give me no concern were it not for the fact that the world will think it happened through my own fault, end quote. And another would be content to be slandered and would bear it quite patiently, provided nobody actually believe his detractor. Others, still, are willing to suffer some portion of the inconveniences arising from the evil, but not all of them. They do not fret on account of their sickness. However, they are indeed worked up over their lack of money for getting themselves cured, or on account of the troubles that they are causing for others. Now, dear Philothea, I say that we must not only be patient in sickness, but also must be content to be sick with whatever disorder it pleases God to allow to befall us, in whatever place, among whatever persons he wills, and with whatever other inconveniences should so please him. And this is true of all other tribulations as well. When any evil befalls you, make use of any remedies that are in your power and that are in agreement with God's will. To act otherwise would be to tempt his divine majesty. However, having done this, be fully and patiently resigned to await whatever success it may please God to send. And, if it were to please him to send a remedy that will overcome the evil, give him humble thanks in return. However, if it please him that the evil should overcome the remedies, patiently bless him. I agree with St. Gregory's advice. Whenever you are justly accused of a fault, cast yourself down in humility of soul and candidly confess that you deserve the accusation that is brought against you. However, if the charge is false, defend yourself meekly, denying your guilt, for you owe this respect to the truth and to the edification of your neighbor. But if, after you offer your true and lawful excuse, they continue to accuse you, do not at all trouble yourself, nor strive to get your excuse admitted. For having discharged your duty to truth, you must also recognize your duty to humility." In this way, you neither transgress the care you should have for your reputation, nor the love you owe to peace, meekness of heart, and humility. Complain as little as possible about the wrongs done to you. For in general, he who complains sins, because self-love always leads us to believe that the injuries done to us are greater than they actually are. However, above all, do not make your complaints to people who are easily angered or apt to think evil. But if complaints be necessary, either to remedy the offense or to restore peace to your mind, express them to the meek and those who truly love God. Otherwise, instead of easing your heart, such comments will provoke it to greater pain. For instead of pulling out the thorn which pricks your foot, they will press it deeper into your flesh. 
Many, when sick, afflicted, or injured by others, refrain from complaining or from showing their awareness of their sufferings, for they think, and rightly so, that this would bear witness to a lack of courage and nobility. However, moved by great desire and trying to bring about their wishes through various machinations, they would have everyone else complain on their behalf and profoundly commiserate with them, admiring their patience and courage. Now, this is a kind of patience, though it is not true patience, but rather a form of refined ambition and subtle vanity. In the words of St. Paul, such a person, quote, has something to boast about, but not before God, end quote, Romans 4.2. The truly patient man neither complains himself nor desires to be pitied by others. He speaks of his sufferings with truth and sincerity, without murmuring, complaining, or aggravating the matter. He patiently allows himself to be comforted by others unless they pity him for an evil that he is not, in fact, suffering, in which case he will moderately declare that he is not afflicted by such an evil. Thus, with a peaceful soul, he remains on the path between truth and patience, keeping his trouble to himself and not complaining about it. Amid the troubles that befall you in the exercise of devotion, and do not doubt that this will happen, remember the words of our Lord, quote, When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when she is delivered of the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a child is born into the world. End quote. John 16.21 Indeed, you have conceived in your soul the noblest child in the world, Jesus Christ, and until he is fully brought to birth, you must suffer in labor. But be of good courage, for when these sorrows lie in the past, everlasting joy will be yours for having borne such a man into the world. When will he be brought to full birth? when you have entirely formed him in your heart and in your works by imitating his life. Whenever you fall ill, offer up all your griefs and pains and weaknesses as a sacrifice to our Lord and beseech him to unite them with the torments he suffered for you. Obey your physician, take your medicines, food, and other remedies for the love of God, recalling the gall he tasted for the love of you. Desire to be cured that you may serve him, but do not refuse to continue sick so that you may obey him. Ready your soul for death, if this pleases him, so that you may praise and enjoy him for all eternity. Remember that just as bees live upon bitter food while they make their honey, so too we can never perform sweeter acts, nor better make the honey of excellent virtues, than we can while eating the bread of bitterness and living in the midst of afflictions. And just as the honey gathered from the flowers of time, a small bitter herb, is the best of all honeys, so too virtue exercised in the bitterness of the basest and most abject tribulations is the most excellent of all virtues. Look frequently with a spiritual eye upon Christ Jesus crucified, naked, blasphemed, slandered, forsaken, and overwhelmed with all sorts of troubles, sorrows, and labors. Consider then the fact that none of your sufferings, neither in quality nor quantity, can be compared with his, and that you can never suffer anything for him equal to what he has endured for you. Consider the torments suffered by the martyrs of old, and those suffered even today by so many, things that so far outstrip your hardships. And then say, alas, are not my sufferings consolations and pains, in fact pleasures, in comparison to those suffered by men and women who, without any relief, assistance, or mitigation, live a kind of continual death, overwhelmed with afflictions infinitely greater than mine? Chapter 4. On External Humility. Quote, go to your neighbors, end quote, said Elisha, quote, and borrow a good number of empty vases and pour oil into them, end quote. See 2 Kings 4, verses 3 and 4. 
In order to receive the grace of God into our hearts, they must be emptied of vainglory. The kestrel falcon, by crying and looking on the birds of prey, frightens them by a secret property peculiar to itself, which, however, makes the doves love it above all other birds and to live in security near it. In like manner, humility repels Satan while preserving the graces and gifts of the Holy Ghost within us. Therefore, all the saints, though particularly the King of Saints and his mother, have always honored and loved this worthy virtue more than any other moral virtue. We call glory, quote, vain when we take upon ourselves a glory that we do not deserve, whether for something that we do not have or for something in which we ourselves should not glory. The nobility of our ancestors, the favor of great men, and popular honor, all these things do not lie in us, but rather are found either in our forebears or in the esteem of other men. There are people who become proud and insolent because they ride a good horse, wear a feather in their hat, or are dressed in fine clothes. But who does not see the folly of this? For if there be any glory in such things, it belongs to the horse, the bird, and the tailor. What a vulgar spirit must one have to take one's value from a horse, a feather, or the fashion of one's coat? Others value and admire themselves for a mustache that is turned upward, for a well-trimmed beard, for curled hair, or for soft hands, or because they can dance, sing, or play some game well. However, are not these poor-spirited men who seek to increase their value and raise their reputation by such frivolous and foolish affairs? Others, who have but a bit of learning, would like to be honored and respected by the whole world, as though everyone should learn from them and make them their masters. For good reason do we call them pedants. Others strut about like peacocks, thinking about how beautiful they are, and believe that the whole world is in love with them. All this is extremely vain, foolish, and ill-mannered, and the glory that they derive from such poor causes is rightly judged to be vain, foolish, and frivolous. True goodness is proved like true balm, which we test by distilling it in water. If it sinks and rests at the bottom, it is judged to be the most excellent and precious of balms. In like fashion, if you wish to know whether a man is truly wise, learned, generous, or noble, note whether his good qualities tend to humility, modesty, and submission. If they do, then they are good indeed. However, if they float about upon the surface and poke out above the water, then their real value is less to the degree that they are displayed more prominently. Pearls that are formed and nourished in the midst of storm and strife have none of the substance of pearls but only their outer appearances. So too, the virtues and good qualities of men that are bred and nourished by pride, showiness, and vanity have only the appearance of being good without sap, marrow, or substance. Honors, rank, and dignities are like saffron, which thrives best and grows more plentifully when it is trodden underfoot. It is no longer an honor to be handsome when a man honors himself for it. If one wishes to be graceful in one's beauty, it should be disregarded. And learning is a disgrace for us when it puffs up our pride and degenerates into pedantry. If we are overly desirous for rank, precedence, and titles, in addition to exposing our characters to examination, scrutiny, and opposition, we also render them vile and contemptible. For just as honor is beautiful when freely given, so too it becomes base when forced or sought after and demanded. When the peacock spreads his tail to admire himself, while he raises his beautiful feathers, he ruffles all the rest and uncovers all his deformities. Flowers that are beautiful while they grow in the earth wither when they are taken in hand. And just as they who smell mandrakes at a distance experience a most agreeable scent as they pass by them, nonetheless become stupefied and sick when they remain for long near them, 
so too honors provide pleasant gratification to those who smell them slightly and afar off without tarrying to amuse themselves with them or to trouble themselves about them, whereas they who are fond of them and feed upon them are deserving of great blame and censure. The pursuit and love of virtue tends to make us virtuous, but the pursuit and love of honors tends to make us contemptible and deserving of blame. Generous spirits do not amuse themselves with the petty toys of rank, honors, and title. They have other things to do. Such concerns are the mark of degenerate spirits. He that can have pearls does not fill his arms with shells, and they who aspire to virtue do not trouble themselves about honors. Everyone may indeed take and keep his own place without detriment to his humility, so long as it is done without care or contention. For just as they who come from Peru bring back, along with silver and gold, apes and parrots, for these do not cost much, nor do they add much to the ship's load, so too they who aspire to virtue do not refuse the rank and honors owed to them, provided that they do not cost them too much care and attention, nor involve them in troubles, anxiety, disputes, or contentions." Nonetheless, I do not here allude to those whose dignity concerns the public, nor to certain particular occasions that involve important consequences. For in these, everyone should maintain what belongs to him with prudence and discretion, accompanied by charity and courtesy. In this section, we see a few themes emerge as St. Francis de Sales starts to talk about uh, these two virtues that he begins with. So the virtues of patience and then humility. So we find here a kind of stress that you don't get to curate your experience of life. Okay, it's not like you work at a museum and in the basement of that museum, there's all different kinds of cool things that you can put on display and you only pick those cool things that you want other people to see. He's saying, nope, we don't get to do that. We just get to live our life. All right. So, so life comes at you and then it's for you to take it in stride and to see it not as something that's done unto you kind of maliciously, like God is conniving against us, but to rather see it as something providential, to see it as something which is conspiring towards our growth in holiness is, is trying in a certain sense to help us grow in prayer. And so he'll talk about patience in that light. So patience is about reconciling ourselves well to the fact of our lives and then he'll talk about external humility in that light too. So humility about recognizing God's gift without trying to take credit for it. So Father Jacob Bertrand, as we turn towards these particular virtues growing in our own devout lives, uh, what are some features that stand out to you, things that you think merit our attention? Yeah, I think the first features <laughs> that stand out are the intimidating reality <laughs> of patience and humility. Um, I remember, I think it was when we were in the novitiate, Father Gregory and I, our, our first year of formation, maybe, maybe I'm making up the time, I don't remember. Um, but at some point, I remember hearing like the, the sort of what, a recommendation not to pray for um, like humility or things that will humble us because it's kind of like a careful what you wish for reality. Like life deals enough humbling blows that you don't need to ask for more. Um, and that's, there's, there's kind of a joking like nature to that, but there's also a great truth and, um, both patience and humility. I think the reason why St. Francis starts with these is because they're the beginning of the Christian life of the devout life of our spiritual life. And they might be a sort of, uh, what intimidating kind of thing, like to think that like to get into the devout life, I need to be patient and humble in my experience, I am neither patient nor humble. Like all you need to do is get in the car with me and see how I drive. And you will realize that this man is not a patient or a humble man. And if that's the case, when I'm behind the steering wheel, it's like, gosh, when I'm trying to pray and live a devout life, also not true. Um, 
But the reason I think St. Francis places an emphasis on there is because they are so foundational that we have to recognize, as Father Gregory was explaining, that our lives, whether, you know, in all circumstances are are what God has given us or has allowed to happen. And in that, there's a gift. And it's for our, it's for us to participate in that, not to try to manipulate. Um, and that requires these great virtues of patience and humility. Not things that we force or make up, but things that God also gives us. You know, they're graces. The virtues are graces. So we have to begin to ask for these um, so as to be conformed to him in these ways. So I'm sure Father Gregory's experienced <laughs> these things too in his own <laughs> life. I won't call out. I won't make particular points of, of example. But, you know, if he wants to, he certainly can. Yeah, I think uh, I'm also thinking of the novitiate now um, in a different light. So when we entered, I was like, cool, we are religious now. So I guess we'll be perfect tomorrow or will it take two days? Should I look for it the day after tomorrow? And then those two days pass and I was like, huh, I am still impatient and I am still proud. And, um, you know, like when does this perfection thing happen? And I think that, um, you know, you listener have picked up a book about the devout life. So you want to grow in your spiritual life. You want to grow in your prayer life. And I think oftentimes, you know, not necessarily you, but many of us, are trying to look for a trick. We're trying to look for a life hack. We're trying to look for a shortcut. Um, and, and oftentimes when we pick up a prayer book or a spirituality book, we're like, all right, maybe this will give us the key to solve the riddle of our otherwise boring, uninspiring, uh, you know, like religious existence. And then we read it and we're like, oh man, they're just saying the same things that, you know, the sacred scriptures say and that we've read in other spiritual books. And I haven't found the key, the secret, you know, the knowledge that I came in search for. And so it's fascinating here in this part that St. Francis de Sales starts with patience because he's saying, okay, the desire that you have for growing in your spiritual life is good. It is commendable. Now, you need to keep that desire going because that desire is going to fuel you for a life of searching for, of, of striving after intimacy with the Lord. And it's going to come, but it's going to come slowly because the Lord's given you a whole life. The Lord hasn't given us a life so that we can cheat it or so that we can trick it. He's given us a life so that we can live it. And as we live it, right, as we are made to experience it in patience and humility, like you said, gradually it's going to conform us to the Lord. We're going to assume the shape of the Lord. And as the Lord spent his human life in obscurity and in suffering, <laughs> it seems that we too will have to, uh, yeah, we'll have to assume a similar shape. So whereas we'd like to take a shortcut or whereas we'd like to skip to the answer key, yeah, does not unfortunately seem to be the case. So St. Francis of Sales is taking into account uh, you know, our weakness, our, our lowliness and saying, it's all right, you know, you're going to make it. Don't be discouraged, right? Don't be depressed. Just take the next step. Yeah, I think that's that's like spot on. The This sort of living, I don't know, we can talk about like living in the moment with this sort of patience and humility, you're playing, I don't know, you could say it this way, like playing the, the hand that you've been dealt and um, why? Why like be patient? Why just take the next step? Well, it's because we're, we're God, that's that's where God is is he's he's there in our joys and triumphs and and you know happy moments but he's also there in our sufferings and difficulties whether those persist for a day or for a lifetime um, and he offers himself in each of those moments and part of growing in the devout life is becoming by his grace more sensitive to that reality more attuned we could say to that reality of of god's presence not just as a sort of you know, thing, but as as God Himself with us in all, in all of those moments, and that takes time to be attuned to, to become accustomed to, to live in that in that moment in that sort of way. Yeah, and I think as as we continue to read this book, uh, chapter by chapter, we'll notice that a lot of the the solutions or the responses that Saint Francis Sales offers are very simple. They're very 
uh, what we want to say, modest proposals. And I think that with patience, with humility, what he's basically saying is, you know, pay attention and uh, try to take stock of what is, you know, what's real, and then try to live that. All right. So when it comes to patience, okay, like life's difficult. You could rebel against that or you could accept that, you know, you could consent to that. It's not like it's trying to hurt you uh, because it's not an impersonal thing. It's from God. God's good. And God wants to conform. Like this is a word that we keep coming back to in this episode. He keeps trying to conform you to himself because he wants intimacy. He wants friendship. And so too with humility, a lot of different things are going to happen in life. Good things, bad things. Just recognize that everything that you have is a gift, right? And you can live like that. And so you live freely because then you're not so much worried about honors, whether they're given or not given. You're not so much worried about fame, whether it happens or doesn't. It's just like, who cares? I'm the Lord's. He's mine. I am possessed and I possess him. So, okay. Again, you know, it's just, uh, it, it doesn't need to be too terribly complicated. The saints are the ones who just keep, just keep showing up, which I suspect is something that we've already said a few times and we'll continue to say a few more. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, uh, for tuning in to this episode of, uh, of Catholic classics as you know, we continue to march our way through the text. Know that, um, yeah, we do so with the hope that it continues to bear fruit in your life and your prayer life, and then it continues to bear fruit uh, in your relationships as well. So that's it for today. Uh, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, to download the reading plan and support the production of this podcast, please visit ascensionpress.com slash Catholic Classics. And then it, we're always interested in getting to know the digital community a bit better. So please join us at our next Godsplaining event, whether it be a pilgrimage, a retreat, or something else. You can find details and applications at godsplaining.org. So know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we will catch you next time on Catholic Classics. Mm-hmm.